Good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you will, turn to the very first page of Genesis. This is where our sermon comes from this morning. This is what God has laid on my heart. This is what I've been studying this week. In the very first book of the Bible, in the very first verse, let's read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. You know, I can't get my day started unless first thing I do when I get out of bed in the morning is stretch. <laughs> and I mean, I have to get my legs and my back and arms. That's the first thing I have to do. You know, kids can't do geometry until they first learn how to add and subtract and one can't lead someone else to Christ unless they first know Christ themselves Amen. there is an old saying and all of us have heard it first things first well friends the first thing is God Our passage this morning in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, begins this way. The Bible begins as it should, with God. It begins with the account of God creating the heavens and the earth and everything in between. Stars, insects, trees, galaxies, planets, animals, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and not even to mention you and I. He created us. In giving his account of, the, of creation, the author of Genesis presupposes the existence and the basic character of God as the one who creates all things. The one who orders all things. He is the one who made us. He is the one who made everything. So if ever we find ourselves wondering where does life begin, Genesis orients us. If ever we find ourselves wondering what comes first? Genesis tells us. If ever we find ourselves wondering, where do I begin? Or where do I start in my own life? Genesis gives us that starting place. And what does it say? God. In the beginning, God. 
that is where we start. Or at least that's where we should start. Whatever our views about science and the Bible, of evolution and creation, if this passage teaches us anything, it teaches us that life begins with God. God was in the beginning. And in fact, God was prior to the beginning of creation. God has been on the scene long before we arrive, and he will be there long after we're gone. God has always been and will always be. He is eternal, and life begins and ends with God. So the first thing is to make God first. Now does it seem like I'm pointing out the obvious here? This sounds like something from our first days of Sunday school, doesn't it? And maybe, maybe it is. But I think that sometimes we need to be reminded even of the most basic aspects of our faith because even as Christians we don't live always or act always like God comes first do we just think of something simple like how many of our sentences begin with I or have I as the subject I'm going to do this today. This is how I feel. How many of our thoughts revolve around ourselves? How many of our feelings ultimately are self-centered? Almost without thinking about it, we often, in our thoughts, feelings, and our actions, put ourselves first instead of God but we really should put God first God as scripture says is the alpha and omega the beginning and the end in the message Eugene Peterson introduces the book of Genesis by saying this he says first God God is the subject of life. God is foundational for living. If we don't have a sense of the primacy of God, we will never get life right. Not God in the margins. Not God as an option. Not God on the weekends. God at the center and circumference. God first and God last. God, God, God. You see, he's trying to drive home a point that we often find hard to live out. First, God. So when I look at our passage from Genesis this morning, 
The first thing I see is that God comes first. That he is before all things and that because of his and because of this he should have first place in our life. Look at it this way. If God created the first day and the first day would not have come into being without God, isn't it also true then that he is still creating our days now? Isn't it true that apart from God, our days would be nothing? Isn't it also true then that our lives ought to bear witness to the fact that we wouldn't even have life apart from God? If He was before us and He is the one who made us, then shouldn't He really have first place in our life? Shouldn't our lives reflect what Peterson calls the primacy of God? Now take a look at how God created the heavens and the earth. How does it describe the earth? It says, The earth was formless, void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. Some scholars think that the Hebrew word that is translated beginning in our Bible, does not mean the absolute beginning of all things, but the beginning of an ordered creation. In other words, this is what God was working with to bring a more ordered creation into being. However we understand it, it does say something interesting. God took something without shape, a formless void. Something that was covered in darkness. And what did he do? He made something. God gave shape to that which was shapeless. God brought order to that which was chaotic and without direction. He gave form to something that was formless. Friends, God gives form. And this says four things to me about our relationship with God. First, it tells us that without God's creating and saving power in our life, we are a formless void. Apart from God, I have no purpose. I have no direction. And I have no meaning. The earth was completely without order and purpose and direction without God's creative hand to shape it and to form it and to make it what it should be. That was the position of the earth before God began his work. And that 
is our position before we allow God to begin his creative and saving work in our lives. We are formless. Second, he tells us that I cannot create my own life. I cannot make myself into what I should be. I cannot give shape and I cannot give meaning. Only God is the creator. Only he can turn that formless void of my life into something that makes sense and is worthwhile. The verb create in Hebrew only ever has God as its subject. In the Old Testament, only God creates. Eugene Peterson in his book, Christ Plays 10,000 Places, comments on this. He says, Create is a word that is used in the Bible exclusively with God as the subject. Men and women don't and can't create, but God does. When nothing we can do makes any difference and we are left standing empty-handed and clueless, then we are ready for God to create. Only God can create something worthwhile out of me and my life. The verb we translate create in this passage as in when God created is bara, B-A-R-A. And this is a term that also means that something fundamentally and new, something unique is being created. When God created the heavens and the earth, He was bringing into existence something that had never before existed. What God creates is unique. And the same is true for you and I. Just as he brought something fundamentally new and unique into existence at the outset of creation... He does the same when he takes the formless voids of our lives and recreates us into something new. And so the third thing that this says, when God recreates and saves us, we become something entirely new from what we were before. And when God does, our lives will be as they never were before. We are transformed, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. So if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has what? Become new. All this friends, is from God. Nothing that I can do. Nothing that you can do. It's all from God and what He can do. All this 
is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And my fourth point is this. He takes us and shapes us using the material of our lives as he finds us. Not only does God create something new and unique out of our lives, he does this with whom and with what we already are. So for us, God creates and saves and redeems using the very stuff of our lives that we have now. Our talents, our failures. Our successes, our strengths, our weaknesses. And yes, friends, our past. He can redeem even the worst of ourselves and use it to glorify Him. He can take that which is formless and void and without order and he can give it shape and direction. For those that love God, nothing is beyond that pale redemption. As Paul says in Romans 8, 28, we know, say no, no. we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Our passage also says that darkness covered the face of the deep. Not only are we each formless without the creative and saving work of God in our lives, but we are also in darkness. Fatal darkness. Fatal darkness, you see, is the exact opposite of eternal light. Without the presence of God in our lives, we are in fatal darkness. We can't see clearly. Have you ever wandered around in the dark? Sometimes when we wander in the dark, we truly can be hurt. Eternally hurt. I'm not talking about stumping a toe in the middle of the night. I'm talking about fatally, eternally injured. Wandering around in the dark. We all know that apart from Christ, we wander. We wander around aimless in the dark. We wander around aimless in the darkness of sin. And that ultimately such wandering is eternally more dangerous than a fall. And we know that according to John 3.19, Paul 
People love darkness rather than light. And only God, friends, can create light. And in our passage, that's exactly what he does. God speaks and there is light. God is the only source of light for any of us. Only the light that God speaks into being can dispel this darkness. And only the light that God speaks into being can shine in the darkness and not be overcome by it. That light, friends, as we know, is Christ. The light of the world, as John 8.12 says. Our passage also says that a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Now the word wind in Hebrew, as in Greek, is the same as the word for breath and spirit. So here we have the Spirit of God present at creation. And when our passage says that the Spirit swept over or hovered over the face of the waters, the verb has the sense of ever-changing velocity and direction, just like the wind. This reminds me of what Jesus says about the Spirit to Nicodemus in John 3. He said, the wind blows where it chooses. And when you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The ever-changing movement of the wind in Genesis of the Spirit of God is movement, friends, with a purpose. Movement with a creative purpose to bring life out of nothing. To give form to the shapeless. And to bring light into the darkness. Who is it but the Spirit who enables us to perceive Christ for who He really is? Who is it but the Spirit who is at work in our hearts helping us to accept Christ as Lord and Savior? Who is it but the Spirit who makes and applies the work of Christ to our lives. In John 15, Jesus tells his disciples that apart from me, you can do nothing. Our passage teaches us this too. While the image of the earth in verse 2 as formless and void is a little bit hard to understand and interpret in the Hebrew, One scholar mentions that when it says the earth is void or empty, that it could possibly mean that the earth is desolate and unproductive. There was no life on earth yet. There was no vegetation 
There were no plants. There were no grass. There was no trees. Friends, there was no fruit. Mm-hmm. Only once God began his creative work does the earth begin to produce anything. Look at Genesis 1.11. Then God said, Let the earth put forth fruit and vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth and that bear fruit with the seed in it. All right. And then what happened? The verse ends with a great phrase. What does it say? And it was so. It happened. When God speaks, when he acts to create, things get done. Fruit, friends, gets produced. The same is true with us. Can we be truly productive without Christ? Can we produce anything of eternal value? Without the redemptive power of Christ in our lives, we too are desolate like the earth at the beginning of Genesis. But friends, with Christ, we are productive. We by the power of God, produce the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians and a harvest of righteousness, as it says in Hebrews. And friends, this is God's doing, not ours, nothing that we can do. But all of this, and listen to me now, say amen if you're listening, All of this is true only if and when God comes first in our lives. Just as God was in the beginning. Unless we learn to make God the first priority, the priority He ought to be. Unless we deliberately and willingly hand over our lives to Him, then we will be left formless and desolate and in the dark. The question is, do you want to remain void and empty, without direction and purpose, wandering around in the darkness of our sin? Or do you want God to take you and mold you to make you into something uniquely you to bring you as scripture says out of the darkness and in to his glorious marvelous light in theology there is an important Latin phrase that gets used when we talk about the act of God creating the heavens and the earth. That phrase is creatio ex nihilo. In English it means creation out of nothing. 
that was how the world began. There was nothing, and God created. He brought something fundamentally new and unique into existence from nothing. Where before there was nothing, now there is something. That can also be true of you and I. That can be true of us. When we come to recognize that God who comes first and that it is only God who can take all of our nothing and make it into something. When we find ourselves empty-handed and clueless, as Peterson says, it is then that God can do something. When we come to the end of ourselves, then God can begin. This is why it's so crucial to recognize the absolute primacy of God and that everything begins and ends with Him and nothing, nothing can be without Him. When we try to make our lives ourselves by our own strength and our own power and our own will, Failure is inevitable. And darkness will shroud all of our efforts. And only when all of our attempts to give form to our lives have stalled and come to nothing, only then can God do something. For only God creates. Today, I urge you to allow God to begin that new creation in your life. The first step is to realize that we all need a Savior. To recognize Jesus as that Savior. And during our invitation, you just come forward. Accept Christ and become something for the glory of God. Creatio ex nihilo. Creation out of nothing. Let God do that with you today. Let's pray.